This is episode 379 for July 2015, and that song is from uh, the M People, and it's called Search for the Hero, and it was the top song in July of 1995, which is what we're going to be talking about in this episode of Spider History. But before we get to that, I want to ask for your support to uh, help us pay the bills and pay for the bandwidth costs to bring 379 episodes to you on our server. Log on to our front page at spidermancrawlspace.com. Look on the right-hand side for a button that says support this site via PayPal. And you can help us pay the bills and keep the lights on. All right, JR is going back 20 years for this one. Hey, Crawlspacers, welcome to Spider History for July. And we're headed back to 1995. 20 years ago, JR. What were you doing in 1995? Well, you know what? 1995, I was a relatively new parent. Uh, my, uh, my daughter had been born in 94, and by this time, she was, well, since it was July 95, of course, we know the, the comics came out months before that. So, right. yeah, she was, she was still a baby then. Good times. Actually. I, I was 20 years old, just, uh, in, in college. Uh, comic books. How, what's the cover price on this one we're gonna look at? Only still, only, a buck fifty. Only. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're starting off with uh, Amazing Spider-Man number four hundred three, written uh, by uh, J.M.D. Mateus. Uh, 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 What's wrong? What's wrong? Oh, don't you know what this month is? This, what is it? This, well, this month is all one story. Remember, the Clone Saga is oh. even though there have been like cross-title things before, the Clone Saga is what turned it into this mutant. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, we, and we actually, start, part one is not amazing. Part one is Web of yes. Spider-Man 126. I'm sorry. We usually start with amazing. Yeah, but we in do. order to understand this story, right. we have to come. We have to tackle the first issue that came out in the month, which was Web of Spider-Man number 126, written by Todd DeZago and uh, Roy Burdine. Never heard of him before. Cover art by John Remini Jr. And this one has a web, and Peter Parker is in chains. And trial, the trial of Peter Parker starts. Oh. <laughs> not too long. Remember, boys and girls, not too long ago, yeah. we did a spider history. And, and for years, I had been avoiding the clone saga for various reasons. One was a practical reason, was because all the stories were so interconnected that yeah. it was kind of hard to pick a month. You know, and say, oh, by the way, all this other stuff happened beforehand, and all this other stuff happened afterwards, and yeah. but we just have this small part of it. But anyway, but a few a year or so ago, we were able to do one of these with the Clone Saga, which was the first mm-hmm. month that Ben Riley was Spider Man, and right. I remember saying, you know, I was thinking going into it, boy, I'm going to tear this apart, you know, and Spidey Dude was just waiting for me to destroy it, and I came out saying, you know, as stories go, they weren't really that bad uh they weren't good but then again look what uh, look at the crap we're putting up with now you know yeah so i said they weren't really you know they weren't really that bad well this story this story is worth every piece of feces that monkeys will throw at it <laughs> wow oh 
I do not remember the trial of Peter Parker from 20 years ago. So that why probably is probably a self-defense yeah. mechanism. I, I really – I don't remember why he was on trial. <sighs> See, you know, this is – you know how we're always complaining about – well, I – one re- one thing that's wrong with Spider-Man today uh, and the way the slot writes him is that plot defines the characters. You know, yeah. it's like you come up with an idea, but if you uh, typically a writer, if he's got certain characters, he comes with a plot and then goes into the plot and finds out, wait a minute, this doesn't fit the characters. This just doesn't fit. You know, so they'll change the plot. Well, not slot. You know, I mean, the plot drives everything, so characters have to change to accommodate the plot. Well, plot is slot, yes. Well, the, 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 the trial of Peter Parker is, is just that entirely. You know, all nobody, nothing is even remotely rational in this story. So anyway, what, what we know, at the end of Amazing Spider-Man number 400, when Aunt May dies... And she dies. She really does die. But it turns out she's later the genetically altered actress. But anyway, so she dies. But Peter is arrested for the murder of a police officer out in Salt Lake City. And her, uh, her partner, Jacob... Kane. Yeah. Her partner... Okay. You're giving it away. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I, it's coming... It's 20 years are coming back to me, JR. <laughs> anyway, her partner, Jacob Raven, is after the guy who did it. And he's after Peter Parker because Peter's fingerprints were there. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Of course, they were really Kane's. But, but, but we don't know who Kane is yet. Okay? We don't know who Kane is yet. We just know that he's, he's Kane. And he killed Dr. Octopus, so he has to be a badass. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, anyway, since Amazing Spider-Man 400, and now Ben Riley switched places with Peter in prison. So Spider-Man is out there looking for Kane. All right. Well, Kane, of course, finds Spider-Man first, and they begin fighting. But all the time, Kane is saying, making it clear, he doesn't want to do this. He doesn't want to fight Peter. You know, he 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 didn't mean to frame Peter, but he was really trying to frame Riley, Ben Riley. He wanted to frame. Although, now how Kane figured that he could frame Ben Riley, okay, by using you know because of his fingerprints. But because Ben Riley, as a person, is not in the system probably because he didn't exist until you know five years ago. So Ben Riley is not in the system with those fingerprints. But Peter Parker is in the system with those fingerprints. And so <laughs> Kane, being so smart, you know, doesn't realize that he's actually going to frame the person he wants to protect. Again, totally stupid. That's stupid. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so Kane tells Peter how much he admires him and his ability to overcome adversity. Basically, it's kind of a bromance almost, you know, because Kane just spends the next two or three issues just slobbering over Peter Parker, and then we finally find out why. Well, anyway, apparently in the intervening months, Jacob Raven must, and I I don't know, I, I didn't read the preceding stories, he must have figured out that, it was Kane and not Peter Parker, you know. So he's teamed up with Stunner to hunt down Kane because, as you know, Kane killed Dr. Octopus. And, of course, Stunner was Dr. Octopus's girlfriend at the time. But then, of course, we now know Stunner was not a real person. Stunner was a projection of another person. But anyway, all right. So <laughs> anyway, so anyway, so they start teaming up and going after Kane. So anyway, now we have the trial of Peter Parker. 
All right. And the prosecutor is District Attorney Tower. All right. Now, District Attorney Tower has been in the Spider titles and Marvel titles off and on for, well, actually about 10 years by this time, because I think we first saw him back in Marv Wolfman's run. And Tower has always kind of been a fairly level-headed guy. Okay. Well, not here. He is a, he opens with an extremely egregious, overblown summation of the case. You know, basically, and see, they're setting it up because they're going to, you know, he's, he wants Peter Parker to get the death penalty for this horrible murder. Okay? And right. he's just talking about how horrible this murder is and what an evil, horrible person that Peter Parker is. You know? And, of course, you know, you're sitting there thinking, okay, okay, first of all, this one guy's being written out of character, but... So he's talking this way about Peter Parker being a horrible murderer, and we don't establish, and, and, and during none of this time do we establish a motive. You know, Peter Parker is a relatively well-known person. You know, I mean, he's, you know, he's worked for the Daily Bugle for years, and, you know, so, so why would he have a motive to kill this person? Do we ever establish that? Well, no, because we really don't see much of the actual trial, because it would fall to pieces. But anyway, so, mm-hmm. anyway, so, anyway, while, while Tower is going through this big, you know, think about how evil and blood, bloodthirsty, blood-sucking Peter Parker is. Kane, Spider-Man is handling Kane a whooping. And then Stunner and Raven show up. And, of course, Stunner's determined to kill uh, Kane. But Spider-Man and Raven want him alive to face the consequences of his own actions and free Peter slash Riley, whoever. And then Judas Traveler shows up. Oh, yeah. You remember Judas Traveler? Yeah, I do. Yeah. One of the most idiotic and pointless characters in this entire thing. I never really understood that character With, at all. And neither did the writer. anybody else but the guy who <laughs> created him, J.M.D. Mateus. All right? I know. I was going to say he was, I, 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 in my write-up here, I was saying he was the most idiotic and pointless character in the whole thing, except for a character we'll meet in another few issues, see again in a few issues, Spider-Side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Judas Traveler shows up and whisks both Spider-Man and Kane away for his own nefarious purposes, which never made one rat's ass worth of sense. But anyway, so Judas Traveler was this mystical person who showed up and... You never knew what his powers were. You never knew what his agenda really was. Right, yeah. You never knew what the point of the character was. But as Glenn Green and Glenn Greenberg says in Life of Riley, and again I credit Life of Riley for, you know, trying some research, Glenn Greenberg says none of us ever knew what the deal with this character was either. But J. M. (laughs) D. Mateus liked him. And he must have thought he was gonna do something with him. So anyway. So anyway, that that's the end of part one, a trial of Peter Parker. All right, let's go to part two. Now we can tackle Amazing yes. with number four hundred three, written by J M D Mateus and Mark Bagley on pencils, and it has Carnage on the cover, uh, Savage Judgment, and Spider Man is in chains with a whole bunch of looks like Ravencroft villains behind him. Yes. Now what we have is a really effing stupid story. All right. <laughs> Something new for Spider History. Oh my <laughs> lord! In fact, if you go back to because you know I uh, you know went to the Spider Man. Oh, did did you credit SpiderFan dot org, Brad? I did not, but thank you to SpiderFan dot org for helping us with Spider History each and every. I, month. I mentioned them earlier. Yeah, you did. Yeah, but Brad's the one who does all the intros, George. It just doesn't seem right when it's not. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Instead of quote, I should have just said suck it. 
Suck it, Douglas. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, so what has happened? Traveler has whisked them away to the basement. Well, anyway, I was about to say the spiderfan.org says of the four-part Peter Parker, trial of Peter Parker, this issue is totally superfluous, totally pointless, and you don't even need to read this to, <laughs> at all. So It's amazing Spider-Man. You should always want to read that as a Spider-Fan. But So Traveler has whisked them away to the basement of Ravencroft, where he is staging a trial of Spider-Man with himself as the judge, Carnage as a prosecutor, Kane as the defense attorney, and the inmates of Ravencroft, including Shriek, Chameleon, and others, as the jury. Oh, boy. <laughs> Traveler says, the point of all of this is to find out whether or not Spider-Man's very existence creates supervillains, and that if he were dead or gone, the supervillains would either all go away or become sane again. Or, is Spider-Man really a true hero, and if it weren't for him, these lunatics would have overrun the city and killed a bunch of innocent people? Gee, I don't know. What do you think? (laughs) Anyway, so we go back to the trial of Peter Parker. Okay. D.A. Tower suggests that the reason, one of the reasons Peter Parker is probably guilty is because he disappears all the time. And nobody knows where yeah. he is. And so he calls Mary Jane to the stand. And Tower says, Mary Jane, your husband disappears a lot. Uh, yeah, he's a photographer. Uh, okay, Mary Jane, what was your husband doing two years ago? Uh, I don't know. Aha, guilty. And Mary, you know... <laughs> Mary Jane is sitting there going, but I really can't tell what everybody, everybody what Peter was doing two years ago because really Peter was like in a coffin buried by Craven because it was Craven's last hunt, you know, that grossly overrated six part story, also written by JMD Mateus. No, you know, it's an awful story. And no, it's not. It's, not it's, Craven's it's only cool. Everybody thinks it's cool because oh. Craven blows his brains out. Ooh. Yes, but. Damn, I love Craven. Jr. The Craven there, blows his brains out. There's much more going on there besides that. There, there's the the newly there's married. Vermin. I forgot Vermin. There's the newly married Peter and Mary Jane. Yeah, and and you know Peter realizing that the, the part where he was trapped in the coffin. That's that's uh, uh, kind of an homage and, and fighting to the. The way it's fighting the, to get out the entire time, and he was thinking of Mary Jane the entire time. It, it, it was, it was, a, it was like a. I don't. For me, it was the first big moment after they had been married. Well, but they weren't married. They were the in a committed thing. relationship. <laughs> you know what? I'm sorry. I, I was, I was being serious, and I didn't realize that you were, uh, you weren't. So, uh. <laughs> okay. Secret Wars and Craven's Last Hunt. He dislikes both of them. Oh my gosh. No, I, I, well, I was still. I actually I, don't I, really think he dislikes Craven's Last Hunt. No, I do actually. What the Okay, I tell you why. Part of it is the same reason that I don't like um, uh, the Child Within. Because basically what Diamateus does, you know, you know, the thing with Craven and Craven's last, it was very personal to Craven. The story is a very, very personal story, you know, because Craven never felt he could defeat Spider-Man. And so he goes through this whole psychological bullshit where he kills Spider-Man and then assumes his identity and then figures he's got nothing to live for and he blows his brains out. Okay, it's a personal story, just like the child within is a personal story between Harry and Peter. But. For whatever reason, Demetrius 
throws in vermin, and vermin takes up half of each of these six-part stories. You know, so it's like, I don't get it, you know, and it's like, so, uh, I don't know, I don't, he must, Demetrius created that character, he must have liked him or whatever, but he to, to me, he totally gutted the core stories he was telling because of that character, but anyway, so. I can see that, I can see that criticism, I'm just like, I, I don't think it sinks the entire thing, I mean, because, uh, literally, I, I haven't read Craven's Last Hunt in probably, probably at least ten years, but, all the, I mean, I had read it a lot before then, but the the and all the times I've read it, I, vermin doesn't even really come up in my mind all that much. Right? Yeah, am, I mean, am I am I alone in that? Yeah. I, I I would agree with Vermin is the weakest part of Craven's Last Hunt, but the the good parts of Craven's Last Hunt far outweigh the vermin so, part, so basically, of it, which is easily the weakest. So basically, there's consensus between the both of us that Jr. is just an asshole. <laughs> well. Well, I, I can get a few more. I can get a few more people on the line to agree was, with that. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I was about to say, like you know, like it, you, you need a consensus to come to that conclusion. I, I think pretty well everybody singularly has already come to that conclusion. JR's like, I go, J, Jr. says I can call his house, and I'll yeah, get. I'll, 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 I'll wake up my wife. <laughs> Let me wake up my. Now we're making Jr. wife jokes for him, as opposed to the ones that he does to himself. Uh, uh, all right. Anyway, but. Part part three. Oh, we're on part two, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, okay. yeah. We were I, anyway. I was bashing J.M.D. Mateus, you know, I and know you and were. and uh, and the whole Cravens last time. But anyway, so anyway, that's what Mary Jane says. They can't. He can't say. She can't say where Peter was because it was during that whole Cravens last hunt thing. So anyway, back at the trial at Ravencroft. Now, Malcolm McBride, who's the second carrion, takes the stand. And, of course, Carnage makes him tell the jury the reason that he started experimenting with the carrion virus, which turned him into the second carrion, because originally. Carrion was the de- the the di- had been the dying well he was the dead clone of Miles Warren, and as a character Carrion worked that way when he was the clone of dead clone of Miles Warren. Well, for whatever reason, they decided to make it a virus and uh, yeah yeah yeah. Anyway, so Malcolm McBride because he's jealous of Peter Parker, starts work experiment with the Carrion virus and it turns him into Carrion. Well. Then Carnage rips off Spider-Man's mask and, sa- and reveals him to be Peter Parker and talks about how he's a menace to his society, whether he wears a costume or not. Anyway, <laughs> the jury finds Spider-Man guilty and Traveler sentences him to death and tells Carnage and the jury to carry out the punishment. But then Kane jumps in to fight the villains to save Spider-Man. And they're on the verge of killing Kane when Traveler makes them all go away and tells Spider-Man that his plan was to understand him more. And so the fact that a lost and corrupted soul like Cain was willing to sacrifice himself for Spider-Man is even more telling about the goodness of Spider-Man's soul than even his own actions over the last how many years? So Traveler (laughs) finds him not guilty, makes all the bad guys forget who Spider-Man is, sends them back to their cells, Sends Kane and Spider-Man back to New York, where they just happen to run into Stunner, who is determined to kill Kane, and we're back where we were in the prior issue, and we could have stayed there and not missed a damn <laughs> thing. Didn't all that waste waste of amazing? Didn't huh? all that Judas Traveler stuff just fizzle out like a bad fart after a while? 
Yeah. Well, yeah, nobody knew what to do with him. And then when, and then like Greenberg says, you know, I don't know what the heck Demetrius was going to do with him, but I'm sure he didn't have in mind what I wound up doing with him, which was basically what he did was uh he he turned him into a uh, a mutant with projection powers or something that was being conned by Norman Osborn, you know, which about made as much sense as anything else. Um Wow. But yeah, see the whole see the whole thing with Judas Traveler is that Scryer was involved with this too, and he never yeah. knew what you see. The thing is, you never knew what Traveler's deal was because, and you never knew what Scryer's deal was, uh, right? And you didn't know who was working for and with who. And during the trial of this issue four hundred three, um, I think Spider Man says you're Scryer's crony, and, or and. Uh, Traveler says, no, Scryer is my crony, and he has been for thousands of years. And then you go to Life of Riley, and Greenberg is saying, well, that was the hint that maybe Scryer's really the one in charge. It's like, what? what? Oh, you know what? <laughs> so anyway, so you couldn't figure out what Scryer was. So basically, when they decided to reverse everything, you had these two characters who weren't Spider-Man characters. They didn't belong in a Spider-Man title. So when Greenberg basically was given the chore of fixing everything <laughs> in Osborne Journal, basically he demystified him, and uh, yeah. which you know, like I said, it was was what, hell. It was as good as whatever was originally thought of. So. This is why I, I I pass over so much of this crap uh, because it just none of it feels like Spidey stories. You know, it feels like it, it was stuff that somebody was wanting to do for something else entirely or, or for like an original idea and and then just wound up, you know, injecting into Spider-Man, you know, because that's what they were writing at the time. Does that make sense? Yeah, because, um, in fact, even Greenberg says, I think in the prior story where it was some kind of, I don't know, it, it was a disrupted time maelstrom event or whatever because Traveler refers to it that Spider-Man saved him from it. You know, and therefore he figured Spider-Man must be an okay guy or something, and so he had to put this phony trial on to make sure that Spider-Man was an okay guy. But <laughs> it was during that particular story when Greenberg was writing part of you know Life of Riley with with the, with the guy with the website. He you know he said this doesn't seem like a Spider-Man story, does it? Um, <laughs> but what had happened? I mean, obviously, you know, the Clone Saga was. Basically, they were told to pad it out, and so they just kept throwing crazy shit up against the wall because they had to keep up coming up with more and more stories to keep padding the thing out. So basically, the Clone Saga was lost. Was they was <laughs> so lost? Is what you're saying? Uh, yeah, <laughs> they were lost, all right, for a long period of it. Yeah, except uh, except David Lindelof uh, didn't decide to screw up Spider-Man. He decided to screw up Star Trek, uh, and. Uh, <laughs> Part three, uh, adjectiveless Spider-Man number sixty came out, written by Howard Mackey, pencils by Tom Lyle. I liked Tom Lyle back in the day. I just looked him up on Wikipedia. Uh, he is now an art teacher at the Savannah College of Art and Design. So uh, that's what happened to Tom Lyle. He had a uh, he penciled the first Robin li limited series. He also penciled Starman with Roger Stern, and he. Uh, he co-created Annex. Remember Annex from the Amazing Spider-Man Annual Twenty Seven? Yeah, like, we just talked it seems about like him. We just talked about him. Oh, that's funny. 
<laughs> all right. No, no, what, no, what's funny, Brad, is that you guys all make fun of me for being the old guy. Brad, and yet, I still remember we talked about this like an hour ago. Exactly. I mean, he doesn't remember anything. True. I'm multitasking. I have to so realize sorry. Brad's really not paying attention when, when, when we do these things. <laughs> what, what's, uh, See, I just, <laughs> I just proved it. All right, I was trying to help out by adding a little backstory to Tom Lyle, who I liked. And I also had a big poster of Tom Lyle's Spider-Man with the moon behind him, and I, I always liked that. You mean he okay. has down? Different kind of moon. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it's interesting that you mentioned Tom Lyle and that you liked him and that uh, he uh, now he's a teacher somewhere. Marvel, again, this was a strange era because, again, Marvel was not owned by – an entertainment company or, you know, and as I've said before, it was owned by a group of corporate raiders who were just trying to blow the company up, take it public, load it with debt, and then cash out, which is essentially what they did, but they cashed out too late and they ruined, nearly destroyed the entire company. But, you know, the people who were running Marvel were not creative people in the slightest, you know, like I said, they were just corporate raiders. So, you know, it meant nothing to them, and and so, but so what they did was though they, you know, they blew up the company, made it bigger, hired all these people for, uh, to write and draw all these new titles and new stories. A lot of these people were not capable; they weren't ready, they weren't qualified. And then when the whole thing fell apart, all these people lost their jobs. I mean, it's yeah. it's, and I don't know if Tom Lyle was one of those who lost his job as a result of this. But it, to the fact that he's no longer in the industry, along with the, Terry Cavanaugh, and, which is no great loss, and a whole <laughs> lot of others. <laughs> I knew that was coming, dude. Was... Did you like Did you like Lyle's stuff back in the day? Either one of you? Uh, did, no, didn't, okay. he didn't register with me one way or the other. Yeah, it didn't really pop okay. out. You have to understand. I mean, this period in time was you know every Marvel artist was trying to be the next big image artist. Yeah, yeah, you know and. So Marvel had so many goddamn books coming out, a lot like they do today, mm-hmm. um, where a lot of it was just, I mean, garbage. The writing was garbage and the artwork was garbage, you know, and it was like they were they were trying to fish with dynamite for talent. Yeah. And there was just there was so much art back then. Bad art was more noticeable than good art. If, well, if, that even, makes, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, George, because when we last talked about the Clone Saga, uh, we were talking about like Web of Scarlet Spider. I think I think it was Web of Scarlet Spider because it was the Scarlet Spider title when he, Ben Riley was already Spider Man. But during, I think Mark Bagley was drawing some of those, and yeah. basically Greenberg had said because what they were put through was so ridiculous. The deadlines were so ridiculous. They had to come up with so much stuff in such a little time. Basically, he said, even Mark Bagley sucked. And, <laughs> you know, so, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it was, it was, it, there was no, there was just no other time like it. I mean, you, it just, it, 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 it was a strange era, not just in Spider-Man or just not in Marvel, but for the comics industry and, and really the collectibles industry. I mean, the whole, the whole collectibles yeah. industry, whether it was baseball cards or something, yeah. had gone absolutely insane. Do you guys remember watch QVC back in the day when they were selling comics? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I used to watch that. I never ordered anything. I just watched it. 
And it was an odd thing to watch. Just people lying. How much these things, how valuable these will be. But all this, all this crap right here is what, it, it, like JR just said, it's, it's what helped collapse the industry. It's what made, yeah. you know, books that were worth 80 bucks go to $8 overnight. Almost overnight. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, back in the mid 90s. Yeah. I mean, the Mar- Marvel, they destroyed themselves. I mean, and, and, and but, <sighs> I mean, we could do shows and shows and shows. I mean, and but you know, and even the death of Superman is, you know, uh, what's his name, Rosansky, of uh, Lone, uh, not Lone Star, because you talked about Lone Star, uh, Mile High. Comic, yeah, yeah. Um, had an interesting article once where he wrote where he credit he thinks the death of Superman is really what started the death spiral. Uh, but obviously, all this stuff added to it. I mean, it was just all a crazed mm-hmm. feeding frenzy. This crap and the hero heroes world crap. Uh, distribution oh, yeah. thing. I mean, there was oh, Marvel yeah. did so many stupid goddamn things in the nineties. Oh, it, yeah. it, it was like it was like Marvel just got tired of living and decided to walk into a, like a <laughs> walk into like a whorehouse and just uh, without without any any condoms or something. You yeah. know, and, yeah, yeah you, you bring up Heroes World, and this is uh, I mean, we're tangenting, but that this is all. I mean, this is all part of spider history i mean this is kind of why we do it not just because we you know we like to revisit old stories but i mean you know we also like to talk about what was going on in comics at the time because we're so old uh a lot of our audience wasn't around and didn't actually live through this period but uh this is why a lot of times like when i reference things i actually say things like brad you and i lived through this or jr (laughs) you and i bought this off the stand you know yeah Yeah, dude yeah so i mean it, it so you know i mean people who hear about the clone set you know 20, 25 years old, you know, who hear about, except for Spidey Dude, who for some strange reason, you know, is a young person who liked the Clone Saga and remembered it or whatever. Well, this, this is his intro to Spider-Man. It's, and yeah, we, it's all, because we all hold a special part in our hearts where we were introduced to Spider-Man. Mm. I was going to start even, even if it was the craptacular. No matter what period, you know, <laughs> you get into a character, the period where that, for whatever reason, was the yeah. first thing to grab your interest... Or was the point where you got interested is always gonna is always going to be you know and that's Zach's that's that's more power to Daddy Joyner that's, that's yeah. his curse yeah <laughs> it's his curse it's, uh, uh, and, he, and he's paying for it by being married now so uh, you know how he got his um, part part three has Kane holding hey, a mask that, Brad, Brad wants to move on that's his subtle way of telling you <laughs> he wants to move on the Academy Award here. Orchestra chiming in saying the long jackass I like the Academy Award the, the heroes. Orchestra. The Heroes World thing was to close that out. Yeah. Was basically the the goons that owned Marvel told Ron Perlman, who was the head, "Oh, Marvel comics aren't selling as well as they should because the comic shop owners and distributors don't know how to display our titles. So we need to buy our own distributor." Which is because, like, how, how many fucking ways can you display them on a rack? <laughs> so they didn't think the current distribution and sales system were serving. They weren't serving the titles right. And we would sell more titles if we owned our own distributions. So they bought a company called Heroes World. And, you know, the first thing was, can Heroes World handle? Are they big enough distributor to handle this? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They can handle it. Well, <laughs> guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. JR means absolutely not. And basically when the first wave hit as far as titles that didn't ship or so many people called that they blew out the entire computer system 
of Heroes World because there wasn't enough ventilation to keep the computers or the phone system cool. It's all in Rose. I think it's in Rosansky's stuff or in Life O'Reilly. But literally, I mean, literally, they did such a shitty job that the first day people complained, they blew out their entire technology. That's how <laughs> stupid this all was. But anyway, go ahead. Spider-Man number 60. Spider-Man number 60 uh, has Kane on the cover holding him, his mask out, and Ben Riley and Spider-Man are looking at the face of Kane, as it says on the cover. Number part three of four of Trial of Spider-Man. Anyway, just the last point is just, I mean, that's why this whole era, it's everything is stupid. It's not just the clone saga. <laughs> it just was a culture of stupidity. Anyway, all right, wow. so Spider-Man and Kane are fighting, and Stunner and Kane and Spider-Man are all fighting, or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but uh, as Stunner accidentally brings down the building they're in and disappears because, as we said before, Stunner's just a projection. She's not real. Spider-Man knocks Kane out since Kane is weakened from his battle with Stunner, and Spider-Man drags him to the courtroom where D.A. Tower is presenting closing arguments, which, of course, he's talking about all these horrible crimes that Peter Parker has supposedly committed, and he deserves the death penalty. Now, <laughs> it's interesting that... You don't really see or hear any of the trial because <laughs> because it would make no sense. You never hear, for for example, if you were Peter Parker's defense attorney, you know what would mm-hmm. you what what is one of the things that would come to your mind? They say, oh well, Peter Parker, you know, because his fingerprints were there, he has to be guilty. Even though he, you know, no motive, blah, 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 blah. If you were to defend your attorney, you would stand up and say, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, we live in a world of shape-shifting scrolls. We live in a world of clones. We live in a world of androids, because an android is a member of the Avengers now. And so you're telling me that fingerprints alone are enough to convict somebody in this era we live in? <laughs> you know, I mean, in my, in my opening and closing arguments, I definitely would have mentioned uh, how he, he he he's just a lad who likes to eat with his he likes to eat wheat cakes with his with his mother figure. <laughs> yep, I mean, exactly. Just you, so you don't see any of the trial because it's stupid. Because it wouldn't it wouldn't this thing wouldn't even get to court, Frank. <laughs> you know, but so I, but but you know, we have to tell it when we're de- when we're determined to tell a stupid story. Nothing will stop us from telling it. So <laughs> anyway, so so Peter dra- Spider-Man drags Kane to the courtroom, and they finally have this confrontation where Kane reveals that he is the first Peter Parker clone. But because the cloning process was not perfected, he started degenerating and Warren discarded him, you know, and so he's been degenerating ever since. Well, and so he was framing Ben Riley to protect Peter. Okay, but of course we don't know yet that Peter's the oh well, I don't want to give it away, but Peter's the clone. Uh so anyway, but but the thing is we so but and as Greenberg mentions in Life of Riley, they never explained why how Kane's powers worked or why Kane was wearing that bodysuit or anything. Because it wasn't <laughs> important. Story wasn't important. Yeah. So but the fact he was wearing this weird bodysuit was to keep him from degenerating any quicker. Quicker. The reason he had all these pa- the reason he had all these powers, you know, the reason he was larger than Peter Parker, the reason that he had this this burning death touch, the reason that he had precognition, they were all 
um, I guess, accentuated um, uh, versions of Peter Parker's own powers. But that was obviously never important enough for anybody to say in the story to make you <laughs> understand the character. So, right. uh, so Kane reveals that he's the cl- the first clone of Peter Parker. Well, Peter says, you know what? I'm not going to let Ben or go down for this. I'm going to walk in there, pull my mask off, and tell them the whole clone story. And then Kane says, no, I can't let you do that, Peter. Because I love you. Um, <laughs> Self-love. But I can't tell you why I love because you. They're because they're brothers, man. What, but I can't tell you that because that's our plot for the next story, but any, or the next issue. Anyway, so he goes in and puts his hand down and burns fingerprints into the table and says, I altered my fingerprints to look like Peter Parker's because Peter Parker took a picture of me killing somebody, and I've hated him ever since, and so I framed him. And so... You know, he, so, anyway, so then they take Kane in, or they're, the cops go around, they're going to take Kane in. You know, everybody slaps Peter on the back, hey, you know, and then Kane says, oh, by the way, since I'm going to, since I'm here anyway, I'm going to kill Ben Riley. To be continued. <laughs> in part four of the trial of Peter Parker. Okay, let's see. We're going to wrap this thing up with Spectacular Spider-Man number 226, written by Tom DeFalco, pencils by our pal Sal. And on the cover, it has uh, Ben Riley on the left and Spider-Man on the right, and it says, at last, the one true Spider-Man revealed. Yeah, you know, when Brad said, I think we're going to wrap this up with, I think he's subtly telling me to do this in about 30 seconds or less. Uh, no, 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 you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. Go ahead. Anyway, well, well the thing is, this: you, we could spend a whole... Uh, a podcast on this story, yeah. on this issue, on everything that is wrong with this issue. But I right. think the thing is, if you were reading Spider-Man by now, which all of us were because we were old, you knew where this was going. I think it was just we really couldn't believe it was going to happen, though, because the thing just by reading the ads for subsequent issues, you know, like, you know, it, the ad would be for like, you know, starting next month. The Lost Years, the story of what Ben Riley was doing five years during those five years that he was in the desert, you know, roaming the earth and like, you know, my uh, like David Carradine. And so you're sitting there thinking, huh, why the hell? Wait a minute. Wait a minute if, why the hell are we doing a Ben Riley miniseries when this is all supposed to be over and the real Spider-Man is supposed to be? Why are we telling a Ben? R- oh, so we kind of knew where this was going. Um, yeah. Anyway. But this um, <clears throat> uh, okay. You don't even know where to start. Well, on this you know, because I've also got. I, well, the reason is is because I've also got something from Glean, Greenberg that I want to read. From Glean, yeah. What did Glean say this time? They, they, these, uh, <laughs> he said, "Put your teeth in." You're gonna, uh, hey, George, you recognize this outtake? These bleeds. You're gonna shove these bleeds up my these nose. Bleeds, these bleeds. Yeah. You remember that <laughs> Cannonball Run two outtake? Yes. All right. That was, no, that was Cannonball Run. Uh, that was uh, number one. That wasn't two. It wasn't two. It was, it was one. That was yeah. outtakes from one, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> D, he, tell, he told D. Martin that I'm going to shove those bleeds up your nose because he's pretending to be a Catholic priest. And <laughs> Martin goes, oh, you mean these bleeds? These bleeds? <laughs> he holds it, yeah. yeah it was, anyway. <laughs> okay. So I, under, I was thinking, though, that, well, 
Ben Riley has to be the real Spider-Man because they wouldn't do a series about a second Spider-Man, would they? <laughs> or why don't they? You know, because uh, anyway, anyway, the art is—I mean, the art is atrocious in this story. It looks like every page looked like somebody spilled a glob of black ink over every page. It's absolutely awful. So Spider-Man and Kane fight in the courtroom. Kane gives up when he realizes he's completely surrounded. Jacob Raven has a gun pointed at his head, and he's pretty beat up anyway. And so he says, well, I can escape anytime I want anyway, so I'll give myself up. So Peter is exonerated and freed. Kane confesses that, to, that he killed Jacob Raven's partner, which we later learn in the lost years that she was a crooked cop and her and Kane were screwing. <sighs> I thought that, he was degenerating, but he apparently had time to get busy. Yes, he did. <laughs> I, and, and that's I, that shit I'm not making up. I think apparently that was, the, the slow disintegration didn't apply to his dong. Exactly. <laughs> but see, she was. But it turns out she was a crooked cop, and of course, Jacob Raven never knew that. You know, and so he wants revenge for her killing, even though she brought her own killing on her cell. It just again stupid. Okay, so anyway, the scene after we, you know, after Peter's exonerated, the scene switches to the jackal, making last-minute changes to the carrion virus, which, of course, he is going to use to wipe out mankind and replace it with clones for a reason that I don't know we ever learn. Why is he wanting to wipe out mankind and replace it with clones? I have no idea. Why does he, why is he furry? Why does he talk like the Joker? You know, when he started out as a college biology, middle-aged biology professor who had it, who was had a hard on for Gwen Stacy. You know, uh, again, does any of this make sense? No. So what? So, but we're going to spend two years telling the story anyway. Um, so, hey, but but the jackal is not alone because he is with yet a third Peter Parker. You know, who thinks he's the real Spider-Man. And this Peter Parker is one who becomes Spider-Side. And so we know he's the real Peter Parker because he's, when he sees like Spider-Man or Peter Parker and Ben Riley on TV, he says, I hate them. I hate them both. I hate Ben Riley and Peter Parker. I still don't understand why you won't allow me to destroy them, Jacko, and let the world know that I am the real Peter Parker. Of course you're the real par- Peter Parker when you talk like that, moron. All right. <laughs> then the scene switches to geneticist, and I believe the name is it's pronounced Seward Trainer. It, I've been pronouncing. Yeah, I think so. I, I pronounced it Seward for all these years, but I think it's it's Seward. Anyway, he's running the last of his tests on the Parker fetus because Mary Jane has some problems, and they think, oh, maybe it's a problem. Maybe there's going to be a problem with the baby. Problem with the baby. Radioactive blood. Radio. Listen, bud. He's the baby's got radioactive blood. <laughs> so anyway, so Trainer is doing these tests on the fetus. And he goes, he goes, astounding. I would never have anticipated a development like this. I hope you're prepared for a shock, Benjamin, you and this poor baby's mother. Now, you don't get the idea. You get the idea that Trainer is genuine and serious about this, right? You don't get the idea that he's really rigging the results at the behest of Norman Osborn, do you? But anyway, <laughs> he is. Okay, so he tells... <laughs> So he calls the Parker home and says, oh, you got to come over to my lab right away. But once, he get, once everybody gets there, Trainer tells them that he noticed an anomaly in the fetus's blood. 
And that's why he's running all these, ran all these tests in the first place. Well, the anomaly is the result of genetic drift. I, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Meaning that one of the parents may be a clone. So, dum, dum. so Peter and Ben run tests of their own. They each arrive independently at the same conclusion that Ben is the original and Peter is the clone. Shit got real. In 20, <laughs> 20 years of Spider-Man continuity, you hear that flush down the toilet like a like a turd, like the turd that came out of the mach- alien machine in Secret Wars. Spider-Man oh. started oh. in a costume. Don't end it like that, no! <laughs> but Peter, of course, has been portrayed pretty well during the entire Clone Saga as a raging lunatic. Yeah. And so, why should he act any differently now when he finds out that he's a clone? He's, he's been freaking out regularly since the end of Robot Parents. So he freaks out and attacks Riley. And when Mary Jane tries to stop him, he slams her against the wall, runs away, and leaves her ble- his pregnant wife bleeding on the floor. So, and of course, every you know, Marvel tries to defend this. Glenn Greenberg says, "I just don't understand why people got so upset about this, and why they were doing white, you know, saying he was a wife beater, and oh, he just learned he was a clone." And, and, and no, 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 no. I'm sorry. You know, no. This is not Peter Parker. This is not the Peter Parker we spent the last twenty five, thirty years reading about. This is a concoction that you guys created to make us despise him so that we would accept Ben Riley as the true Spider-Man. That's what this was. And so and we saw, all saw through it, you know, and we no matter how much how much mealy-mouthing you do, we all saw through it. You were deliberately making Peter Parker look like a lunatic. So we would all like Ben and think he was cool. Anyway, back to the Jackal and the other Peter Parker because we were desperate to know what they were up to. So the Jackal needs to go out and pick up something to finish off his new and improved carrion virus. And he shows the other Peter Parker the costume he made for him. And cryptically says, the day will come when clones will rule the earth. And with your help, it'll be here much sooner than anyone anticipates. And then the last panel and the blurb. At, le- at last it begins in one week. Maximum clonage alpha. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> That's when you check out, huh? Oh. Now, now, also that came out this month was uh, New Warriors number sixty-one, which was the maximum clonage. Uh, let's see, prologue. Life is not where, long enough to for, for, <laughs> for work this bad. <laughs> Do you guys remember what you were doing when you read this? What was your reaction? I didn't you, read this. Uh, well, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. Oh, you mean, okay, I, I, I'm sorry. Did you, reaction, did you mean the reaction to the clone saga? Well, finding out that Peter was the clone. I mean, it's like, did you, like, feel betrayed? Did you, or did you think that was a cool, st- I just, you know, I, I just remember I, thinking it was just the stupidest thing. I thought you meant, like, do I, I remember my reaction to New Warriors. No, I, 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 did too, I remember my reaction to, uh, to, to them saying that Peter was the clone. I stopped reading for two years. I stopped buying a goddamn thing. I was done. I was, as back when I was in college, and I was like, you know what? All the more read, I, I can save money. I don't need to buy this shit, and I'll get laid more. <laughs> and sure enough, 
I started drinking more. This is when I started drinking a lot. I started drinking more and screwing more. Wow. <laughs> so because of the Clone Saga, I think I probably was allowed to, allow, uh, to enjoy uh, college more. Well, you know, what it did to me is, uh, as being a comic reader for, at that point, what, 15 years on or whatever, I don't know. It, it it did the opposite, I guess, what they wanted to do, which was draw me closer to the original Spider-Man as opposed to the clone. I'm like, well, you know what? I've been reading for 20 years. I'll take the clone over over uh, over this current guy taking the mantle. Yeah, here's, yeah. You know, here's the rub. Here's the yeah. rub is that when you look at what at the Jack Ashery that Quesada inflicted upon Spider fandom in uh, 2008 with or at the end of 2007 with one more day I would have preferred that they just send Peter and Mary Jane away and bring in a freaking clone for, for to continue the stories rather than them do what they did but and interesting that you mentioned that George because you just perfectly segued into what I wanted, something I wanted to say, because this is part of Glenn Greenberg's comments. Because you, you just said, you know, well, why didn't we just have another Spider-Man then and send Peter Parker the real one away? Well, here's what Greenberg says, because he's talking about Thor and Thunderstrike. Because DeFalco mentioned these two characters. And oh, Greenberg everybody said, had it. A- had, had a quote-unquote clone at the time. Exactly. <laughs> Greenberg said, this brings back memories of a major trend, some would call it an epidemic, that was going on at Marvel at that time, namely taking an established character and creating a spin-off version. The spin-off version would be similar, yet different enough to justify his existence and hopefully its own ongoing title. In addition to Thunderstrike being spun off from Thor, 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 the U.S. agent was spun off from Captain America, War Machine was spun off from Iron Man, and the Fantastic Force was spun off from the Fantastic Four. From a certain business standpoint, it made sense. But creatively, well, all I'll say is that Thor, Captain America, Iron Man, and Fantastic Four are still being published to this day until Fox keeps the movie rights to Fantastic Four and we decide to slit our, slit our own brand's throat uh, by canceling the Fantastic Four talk. Anyway, do you know, and all, hang on real quick. Do you know what I found out just today uh, through uh, James Gunn's uh, Twitter feed was that wow. uh, Marvel does not have the rights to do Kang or the Shi'ar? That Fox has those. I guess Kang through the Fantastic Four and Shi'ar through X Men. Yeah. Well, that's hmm. yeah, and and that's yeah, that's part of the reason I think you know Marvel has directed you know no one to create new characters for either the X Men or the Fantastic Four is because they won't have the movie rights. Well, that's yeah. that's the thing. But now I, I'm realizing there's going to be far further reaching implications for that now because you, we're going to be saying goodbye to some villains too. Yeah. Well, all I, and, and then Greenberg says, well, all I'll say is these titles are still being published to this day, and all the spinoff characters are either dead in limbo or limited strictly to infrequent guest appearances. There was a major reader backlash to this practice of duplicating, and exi- duplicating existing titles, and it's easy to see why. The original versions, the classic Marvel heroes, could no longer be unique or special with other Marvel characters running around who looked similar to them and had similar powers and abilities. Abilities. Well, what yeah. has happened to Spider-Man today? Bunch of girls with the powers. Yeah. Silk. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's we like, didn't just get we didn't just get one. We got two. Like at the same damn time. 
<laughs> you know, it's like, you know, you just, they say insanity is the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. You know, yeah. 10 years ago, they said, you know, Greenberg says it's not going to work. So what makes them think it's going to work now? You know? So. Yeah. Because there's new people in charge that haven't don't know their history. And you were talking about the new warriors because you were going to go through the the new warrior, you know, that they were also. Yeah. How many times did the new warriors show up during the clone saga? They showed up during and they show up during Maximum Clonage Alpha and then Omega or whatever. It's like, well, here is one of the well, most the, intensely personal story. You're saying the Spider-Man we've read for the last 20 years is not Spider-Man. And so mm-hmm. you would think that the next story you're going to tell is going to focus exclusively on Spider-Man and the Jackal, right? No, you bring in the New Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> well, the New Warriors is close to getting canceled, and it did in, I think, issue 75. And uh, in, in 61, they brought uh, Scarlet Spider on to kind of boost sales. But also what came out this month, Spider-Man 2099, number 33, uh, that was where he teamed up the 2099 version of Strange. Yeah, who's literally uh, Strange? Strange. She calls yeah. uh, she calls Mickey S Man. Yeah, <laughs> and also uh, Venom. Uh, his latest miniseries was called Carnage Unleashed. Uh, Holy shit! It just started raining again here. This is SpiderFan.org rates this as one of the worst of the worst of all time Spider-Man stories, <laughs> written by Larry Hama from GI Joe fame. Yeah, Larry Hama is a great GI Joe writer. <laughs> I think he, I think he might have wrote some Wolverine too back in the day. Real quick, the background of this: uh, following his recent breakout from Ravencroft, Carnage has invaded the New York penthouse of the video game tycoon. Fordham Rhodes, the CEO of ex- excessively violent video games, seeking re- uh, reparations for the use of his likeness in an online gaming, capitalizing on the whole Maximum Carnage video game saga. Venom, however, is on hot on his trail, having attempted to kill a man he suspected of being a junkie in order to protect a new acquaintance, Kristen. All that's left now is a symbiote on symbiote action. <laughs> Again, don't really remember that. Did you pick up the Venom minis back in the 90s, JR? No. 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 I only picked up uh, Lethal Protector in the back issue bin when I was doing my uh, first Venom story or article. I had had two. uh, Or not limited series, but I had two. I picked up two specials. One of them, I think, was Venom on Trial. And the, uh, that huh? That was a that was a. I remember that one. You you had to order. You had to donate to UNICEF to get yeah. that issue. And the other yeah. one was, um, uh, oh God, uh, the Vault, which had Venom in it. I don't know if it was just a Venom story, but it had Venom in it. No, it was called Avengers: The Vault. Avengers: The Venom, Vault. Yeah, and Venom was in it. Venom was in it, and that was the selling point. Penciled by Ron Lim, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Good, uh, bad month, it sounds like, JR, for uh, 20 years ago in July. Well, there, definitely, well, has definitely there ever been a good month for these, JR? Do you, ever go, do you ever stop on any of these and go, when Brad sums it up and you go, wow, yeah, they really knocked it out of the park? Or are you always, is it always just, uh, just horrible or uh, it was passing? Well, part of the reason, I mean, actually, you I have... got three titles. They're not all going to be great, you know? Well, I, I've... Um... I've, I've had some months where I uh, 
where I've liked the months and said they've been re- relatively good months. I mean, it's just the fact that it's a lot more fun to do <laughs> to do the ones where everything sucks, but which is kind of yeah. funny because we're always accused of being haters because we hate the new material, you know, and, 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 and we hate the old one, too. <laughs> it's like, come on, we're not we don't we don't delude ourselves about the old material either. You know, you know, it's yeah. it's now I mean, we recognize that some of this stuff was crap. Being a fan of something doesn't mean being a sycophant. Exactly. Very true. Uh, you know, I'm a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, and I can straight up tell you I have serious problems with, with my team. Mm-hmm. You know, and which are mostly due to its deranged owner. Yeah, that's what I have to say. It's like <laughs> owner. But, uh, you know, so, yeah, I mean, being able, being able to critically look at something, even though you enjoy it, is is you know I, I know there's there's fans out there who would who I guess want us to just love everything. I, I think there's a lot of them out there that are like that, like you know especially the ones who put, give us negative reviews are like, well, you guys just hate everything. It was like, well, are we supposed to love everything? Because not everything is great, and, you know. And again, I, I, I've said this before, as someone who has read good good Spider-Man, like Roger Stern stuff, right? And and even you know the stuff with uh, JMS back when it was back when it was you know really good. There were some misfires in JMS's run. Don't get me wrong. We just talked yeah. about them. <laughs> but I mean you know having said that, I've seen what Spider-Man is capable of when Spider-Man is written at a competent, exciting level. I will not. I will not settle for less than that. And, and to, you know to ask me to do so is, is hateful to me. Mm-hmm. Or am I am I just am I a horrible person for that? I, no, I, you like what you like, and you back up your opinion with uh, with uh, examples of what you don't like, and and people. It sounds like they want their opinion to match your opinion. Right. If we all had the same opinion. What that that's not an enjoyable environment. It's it's we want diversity, don't we? We want some uh, differing of opinions, and that's what. I think we bring to it. Well, I think we'd be more than happy to to like the Spider-Man titles. We would want to. We would want to, but you know. And but we also not only do we not like to see bad stories, but we also like we also don't like to read bad stories, which are a deliberate fu to us. <laughs> you know? exactly. Yeah, this is why none of this is going to change anytime soon. It's damn sure not going to happen under slide. I mean, we can make fun of an old Marvel team-up and talk about how bad it is, but it's kind of enjoyable in its badness. You know, because it's, yes. it's, it's in a way, it, I don't want to overstate it, but it's sincere in its badness. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> but it knows it's bad and it embraces its bad. Or, or it doesn't know it's bad. You know, it's, not it's, bad. But, it's not bad, you know, as a middle finger to people on Twitter. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, I appreciate it.